Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You have the opportunity to grow Ukrainian market, Ukrainian economy. They can just work, stay and live here in Ukraine and have great conditions, great compensations for what they do. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, my name is Nicole Ramirez, and I am from Austin, Texas. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year when I started doing some research on my own podcast. I loved the energy on the podcast right away and the diverse topics. I really enjoy having someone else talk about the fact that women in tech can mean way more than just typical STEM jobs. Being a part of the online community allows me to ask questions and answer other women in tech and just feel a sense of togetherness. It really helps me build content that people want to hear on my podcast as well. You can follow me on Instagram at TDTM Podcast. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Command Line Heroes is an original, highly produced, award-winning podcast about the people who transform technology from the command line up, presented by Red Hat. And this is not a technical show. This is a show anyone can enjoy, featuring experts from across the industry. Season four is airing now, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and stick around to the end of the show to hear a sneak preview of the brand new season. Dalai Lama says the point to life is happiness. And so often in my journey, I found myself just totally stressed out or anxious or just trying to make it to a destination and not really relishing in the journey. And the more time that evolves, I stop and reflect. And truly when I recognize, especially when I'm in those states of angst, if the point of life is happiness, then how can I shift in that exact moment to feel happy? And lately I've been stopping to ask myself, do I feel happy in this moment? And if I say no, I'm like, well, then let me just shift that. What am I doing in this moment? What am I thinking about that's making me unhappy? And so many of my thoughts are just based on wiring that I've cultivated through my life, my upbringing and everything else and all the challenges that I've overcome that have created this narrative in my head that I hold on to in order 
to serve me in some way, whether it's to protect myself or something, but they're all just narratives. We create our own stories and that story can be anything. And sometimes those stories, at least for me, are really negative and they feel like they're protecting me, but really what those stories are doing is they're holding me back or they're creating angst where angst doesn't need to exist. And so I've been really holding on to that Dalai Lama quote, the point of life is happiness. Just for me, that was just like, whoa, the point of life is happiness. And so if I don't feel happy, like really right now, not somewhere that I want to get to, not something I'm trying to achieve, not something that's outside of me, not something that I'm trying to attain. But if the point of life is happiness and it's happiness right now in this moment, no matter what's going on, what are the thoughts that are in alignment with that? What are, what are the actions that are in alignment with that? Where do I need to shift in order for that to be my reality too. It's interesting, at least for me. Enjoy the next episode. podcast celebrating women in tech around the world we are a hundred countries strong yet so excited to be here in Kiev, ukraine it is really exciting to see the innovation and how the startup economy here is just boosting and we have our next guest yes hello daria Woohoo! hi <laughs> hi this is so exciting being here you have a really huge office and it seems like a really huge team i can't wait to get into it let's start off by going ahead tell us a little bit about yourself who are you and what do you do well my name is Daria. I'm the CEO and partner at my company, Support Your App. What we do, we do customer and technical support for other IT companies. So let's imagine you have application on your phone or on your computer and it doesn't work. So what do you do? Basically, you call, you contact the support team, right? So we are people who are behind different support teams of various products all over the world. And right now we provide our services in 15 languages for clients from 25 countries. We have two offices. So you are right now at my second office and we are here celebrating New Year and like have about 100 people working here. Total at my company, we have almost 500 people working. 500? Yeah. There is so much to talk about. Okay. First of all, when did you create Support Your App? Nine years ago. Nine years. And you're from the Ukraine, right? I'm from Ukraine, yeah. And your second office is in the Ukraine too? Yeah, I'm basically we are neighbors. It's neighbors, neighbor buildings, yeah. So, I mean, this is just crazy because Ukraine only experienced independence recently. So 50% of that time ago is when you created, I mean, that you were really forward thinking for creating then, right? Was it really risky? Was it very unusual? I think it was kind of occasional thing. I didn't plan to open the company, obviously, because I was a student at the university and I've just came from the U.S., yeah. For a program, work and travel where I spent my summer. Right. And I still had one more year of studying on my master's degree. So basically, when I came back from the US, I came into one company and I wanted to be a customer support representative myself. And the team, the company that they came, it was kind of a big company that had different projects right under wonderful let's say so one of the projects was uh, developing applications for a mac and windows and it was almost like 10 years ago and what we did we provided customer and technical support for exactly these projects 
So it was in-house support. And one day, one friend of ours came with a product. It's called Clean My Mac from Applicate. Yeah. You know this company. I've used Clean My Mac. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So MacPaw is our first client and it's our friend. And they like came to us. They knew that we have 24-7 team. And they also started selling Clean My Mac to the U.S. Right. customers. So what they ask us to support their users. Right. We even didn't know how to quote them, you know, like what to do. But yeah. we agreed to help them. Yeah. And it's how we saw the opportunity to spin off from ah. basically from that big company and starting doing our own and growing our own company. Being an app support center. Yes. But right now it's not only about applications. Right now within our clients we have... Of course, software companies, but it's hardware, it's SaaS, it's e-commerce, fintech, and games. When did you start your journey in technology? Because how do you go from a student to a company with 500 staff? I mean, that's insane. So when did you start your interest in technology and startup world? I mean, like when I came to this company, like nine years ago, it was the beginning of this journey. And I didn't know anything about technology because I'm a teacher. Yeah, I was studying. <laughs> yeah, to be a teacher. <laughs> to be a teacher. I mean, right. now you are teaching people. You're teaching people right. through support. Yeah. Right, right. And I have my team right now. I have my managers whom I also teach like every day. And back nine years ago, I didn't know about technology, but I was like, it was my first step into when I dive into the technology sphere. And it was like step by step, one step in a time when we were like talking firstly about service company. And then like a couple of years ago, we also created, developed our own products. Right. So basically right now we have our own CRM system that 51% of our clients, they use our technology instead of Zendesk or Freshdesk. Really? Other systems. I have right. to check out support app for CRM. Yeah. So right now we also have live chat solution like Intercom. Yeah. Intercom right now also goes to enterprise clients and we are with our live chat solution works with the small and medium businesses and we will definitely working with the i couldn't say that it's artificial intelligence but it's a machine learning tool that can assist our agents but how do you even get here to all these cool fancy things with a ton of people how do you go from student life to this what did you do in those beginning years to accelerate the company forward? Well, the first four years were very, very difficult because uh, we had no clients, like one or two clients only. And we didn't grow rapidly. We just like were growing very, very slowly because I had no information, no knowledge base, no skills, nothing to like grow the company at all. So right. what I did, I went to get my, I couldn't say like MBA, but like additional education in management right. and marketing. And after that, okay, I understood like how some processes could work. Right. And then I created some processes and I implemented them at, at, at my company. Yeah. And then in four years, that the first four years were very tough, uh, already we had some clients who could refer us and the trust level also increased. So it was like, you know, like very, very, very slowly. And we started growing rapidly, like last two, three years. And so you've been in business nine years and you've only started growing rapidly in the last, let's say, three Three years. years. Right. How did you emotionally 
stick through the first four years that were hard? How did you know this is smart? We should stay with it. Let's keep doing it. I wanted to be honest with this job, like this entrepreneurship every day, every month. I thought, okay, one more month and then I quit if it would, wouldn't work. But then I said, okay, maybe one more month. And then it took me like, like, yeah, like four years, but eventually it worked. I think like when you put like your energy, your time, your in, I don't know, invest everything in this particular like thing that eventually it would work. And it worked for us. And I moved to Boston for some time. And I spent some time in Boston because I also wanted to grow my networking. Of course. And I wanted to find like maybe other clients, different people within this industry. So it also really worked. What key thing, I was interviewing someone on the We Are Light Tech podcast about a month ago, whose company, if I remember correctly, didn't work for something like seven years. And then he did one key thing. He was about to quit. And he did one key thing in a YouTube advertising campaign or something like that, and it worked. And now he has like a staff of 100 or something, right? Was there something specific, a certain change that you made in that fourth year that led to it all of a sudden igniting the spark to, to become bigger and bigger? So I would say that it's two things that it aligned. The one thing that I moved to Boston for some time. And the second thing that we launched a product hunt campaign. Mm, yeah. Wow. So Product Hunt is a site where if you have um, a startup, you list your site if you can or, or somebody places your site and then all the influencers in the tech community like see it and then it may gain traction that way. Right. Yeah. So basically when we launched this campaign, it really worked very well. So we closed our clients, but if usually it took us, I don't know, a couple of months, that month it took us like, I don't know, a couple of days. So, and it really worked. Would you say that Product Hunt is a huge component, like really responsible for you eventually becoming a 500-person company that's really stable? I couldn't say that it's exactly this thing that I said. Probably it was a, like two things that aligned. Right, right. right. And the Boston. It was, like the, it was like a trifecta. Like it was a few and things. And experience. Yeah. And maybe, um, I don't know, like the thing that I already knew what to do because yeah. I already tried different things and I, eventually something really worked. And I know that Product Hunt, usually companies use this service for uh, launching like more like software SaaS or e-commerce products. We were a service company, so it was super unusual. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. I don't know. You are a service company, but it doesn't feel like a service company. Well, now you have software like CRM and all that is not a service company anymore. I mean, there's just so much. One of my favorite questions to ask, and it just seems like you have a lot of experience in this specific question, is what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices? What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast, and keep on coding. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts.
what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? I feel like one of them is that you've overcome sticking with it for four years. But what's a huge, by the way, before you answer that, I feel the same way. I felt the same way a lot. Like just the entrepreneurial life is so difficult and you just, you're just like, I can't, but it's, for me, it's in my blood. It's not like, okay, I just, who I am. And a lot of people ask like, why do you stay with it if it's so hard? And it's really hard to describe. It's like, it's just literally etched into my blood. Like it's not a choice. It's, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Do you feel that way too? Yeah, kind of with a part of your DNA. Yeah, yeah. So what is a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome? I would say that it's obstacle I'm still overcoming probably every day. <laughs> what is it? It's people, you know, like... Oh, yeah, people. Yeah, I don't like them either sometimes. <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. <laughs> you know, like when you're um, the founder of a company, you have your goals, right? As a company, as a founder of this company, people, even very loyal people, they have other values mm. of course you have your cul yeah. culture you have corporate corporate yeah. culture but it's still like if something would happen in your families it's always the people they face uh, different choices i would totally. say yeah and even very smart professional employees sometimes we have to say goodbye to them or they want to change something yeah. in their lives. And it's always like the thing that I'm trying to obstacle because uh, if we're talking about tough management and yeah. our company is based on processes right. because we have a lot of people here like, but it was, and we're still growing. Yeah. So that is why I'm trying to work only with the processes when even I, I have one key person, but I try to have at least two people right so every person knows like kind of functionals right. or responsibilities of another person oh i mean that's so smart it's kind of like an understudy in a play like if something were to happen to the star of the play they get the flu or whatever may happen there's an understudy that knows all the lines so somebody gets step right, right away and the play can still go on yeah uh, such a good point. Team and hiring and managing and all of it is so hard. It is. It <laughs> it's is. so hard. Even when you have the best of people, it's still so hard. It's so hard. You're so right. That is a huge obstacle to overcome. And what is the best advice that you've gotten, do you think? One of the things that really sticks with you. You know, I'm still like have spinning in my head like some only like stars, but it's not yeah. an advice. It's more like that I read books and I stick to these uh, things that you have to hire people very, very slowly and fire them very, very quickly. Yeah. So it's the thing, one thing that I try to do because usually you employ your people very fast, yeah. very quickly, and then you couldn't just get rid of this person. Totally. And it's something that I want to change, change in my mindset as an entrepreneur and do not, you know, like lean to the um, only my my gut feeling or my emotions yeah only on prof on skills on on portfolio on references totally so relatable <laughs> you're like triggering like, all my heartstrings and what would you say is one of the main advantages of being an entrepreneur here in the Ukraine you were sharing that you were just in Phoenix Arizona you spent time in in Boston Massachusetts in um, Japan Tokyo like, oh wow yeah um, but you're based here in Kyiv, Ukraine. And so what are some of the advantages of being here? 
it's the company company oh my gosh it's country the country is growing you know you still have and so is the company the company as well yeah because you have different opportunities and you should use them smart but you have these opportunities and it's great when you work with the international clients and you have the opportunity to grow Ukrainian market Ukrainian economy by making your let's say Ukrainians staying in Ukraine so they don't need to go to live abroad if they know languages if they are smart they can just work stay and live here in Ukraine and have great conditions great compensations for what they do and have you guys raised money no so this has all been self-funded yeah we had like kind of different investments but we then returned the investment and then we grow it again what do you mean you returned the investment I mean, like we had an investment like, hold on let me give you your money back <laughs> yeah kind yeah of this thing that's incredible yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and so what is your philosophy on raising money versus um self-funding I couldn't say that it's about the philosophy probably it's um, that we I don't know we just didn't need to have money right because we always have earned money by our, our owns and of course maybe- so all the Americans don't really know what you mean right now <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I know what you're talking about yeah they're like but- what do you mean you make money <laughs> I know I know but really if you want to maybe go international open offices in other countries not just in other cities here in, in Ukraine then you probably need a lot of money because it's a lot of investments and then if it's products probably you of course you need money for marketing for sales teams however like we are growing very horizontally i would say yeah, like yeah. if we have a client we have people if you didn't have client we don't have people that's it i like want to give you a hug <laughs> can everybody just operate like this um Okay, let's talk about your pricing model, especially in the beginning and now, and how you create a financially sustainable company where you can have people. <laughs> right. So the financial model is very simple. We charge per person per month. So basically, if you need to have a dedicated person, it depends on the level of technical background, of languages, or maybe requirements about working hours, whether it's night shifts or day shifts. It, it could be whether it's $1,000 per month or $2,000 per month. And also, in the very beginning, we had different options. We had like shared option when one team or one person can work for different companies, but it didn't work because then, of course, obviously you have a very bad quality because you couldn't focus on one product. So right now it's growing, like having dedicated teams for different products, for different clients. Have investors approached you about wanting to give you money? Yeah. And you've turned it down? Yeah. I say like, I couldn't say that. I, no, we didn't need it. I said like, okay, let's stay in touch. And maybe in one year or two years, we can like bring it back. Did you feel like a rock star? No. Like telling them I don't need you right now? No, no. It's just maybe, uh, it's, it's a, yeah. It's I think a it's pretty badass. I think it's pretty superwoman. No, it's a momentum situation, you know. You know, you don't know what would happen, right? Yeah. Probably you would need this money. So I always want to stay friends or stay in touch with But don't people. they say you're supposed to take the money before you actually need the money? So it's in the bank? Yeah, I think we don't need to take money if we don't need them. 
Interesting. I love it. I just love it. And do you have any aspirations to have your company acquired or is it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One day, why not? If we want to grow like and go like international in, I don't know, opening offices in the US and Australia, in the UK, maybe in South America, why not? It's so exciting. So exciting. I'm just blown away. How can people look you? Are you on LinkedIn? How can people connect with you further? Yeah. Like LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Instagram. And can you spell your name for everybody? Yep. It's Daria Leschenko. I know the last name is very uh, exotic, but the first name is D-A-R-I-A. And the last name is L-E-S-H-C-H-E-N-K-O. And Daria, have you been on a podcast before? I think yes. I, I love to come to San Jose in WWDC to attend WWDC. Nice, yeah. And I have a couple of friends there. And That's it's awesome. more about like how our support can help Mac developers. Um, anything that you wanted to share that we didn't cover? I think we covered all of the topics. Of course, we can talk more and more about like how I established all the processes, etc. About people, but yeah, let's talk about this next time. Give us one little hint on, and yes, I would love to do a follow up interview. One little hint about a way of thinking about processes. If somebody goes out and they're like, yes, I want to make the processes in my organization more effective, where do I begin? Who's the person that should be doing them? How much time should I give myself to create the processes? Well, first advice, let's say piece of advice, what I can tell on this matter, it's just try to write down everything that you have in your mind, like every thought, just write down and then figure out who would be the person who will be creating these processes. Maybe it probably will be a founder and then it will be kind of a sample uh, for your employees. It depends on the departments. But in the beginning, I started this company, like when I was in this small department where it was five of us. One day I fired all five, uh, all four other people and I stayed uh, only on, on my own. And I was literally working 24-7 and I was sleeping in the office for like for some time. So, you know, it depends on like on your goals, on all your milestones, on the, the, probably the size of the company and like all the other things. How long would you say it took you to create that initial set of processes where you had a good foundation of processes in the organization? Again, depends on the size of the company. Like, I th- I think with that we started creating all the processes too late. Right now, if I knew, I would started doing this earlier. Right, you know? I agree. So, like, but even too very... late, like, how long did it take you? Would you say was it like three months or was it a week or was it? I say that it's still like ongoing process. Mm. So we created like the core, and then we have new processes, new processes. But what I want to have, like all processes, all actions to be documented, let's say, right, yeah. to be written. Yeah. Because it's very important. I totally agree. I 100% agree. The last question to follow up on that is, what is your favorite tech tool, um, hardware, mobile app, and is and is there maybe one related to documenting processes? Now, for these purposes, I it's not for documented processes because we're using Google Docs, like it's very simple. But to capture all, all thoughts, I use things, application. On things, my- yes. It's from. It's a it's a to do app. I have it. I never do. use it. It's, it's it a though. German company, and another thing is Evernote. Yeah, Evernote and things. And if you search things for Mac, that's how you find it. And I love application. It's called Calm. 
calm. It's my client. Yes. Like um, it's a meditation app. It's my client. Oh, that's amazing. And um, so shout out to calm. I think meditation is extremely important. Something I don't do enough of. And have you ever heard of this company? I haven't used them, but I've heard of them called Process Street. No, never. Have you ever thought about you utilizing um, a, a process software, or like why did you end up choosing Google Docs versus one of these process software companies? It just started with Simplius. I mean, like I I wasn't looking for any tools or for this purpose. I yeah. just you know started creating the process itself. Yeah, and then we have a very nice designer, and she just put it in very nice order with the pictures, you know, yeah. like with the, some uh, very nice things. Perfect. Last question, your favorite book? Right now, I would say that it's, I couldn't say like how to call it in English, but it would be Tough Management. Tough Management. By Kennedy. Nice. Tough Management. It's kind of with out of dated examples, but it's still like the core of the book and the the object of the book and everything. It's still very, very important and irrelevant the principles yeah thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech podcast this has been absolutely inspiring you pulled on so many of my heartstrings of uh, challenges that i go through as an entrepreneur as well and i think that it's important for all of us wherever we are in any stage to remember 500 people or one person the journey isn't as simple as it may look from the outside sometimes when there's you know podcasts and magazines and all this kind of stuff so just thank you for sharing your story. If you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember you could go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Say hello on social, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, at Women Tech Show. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. My name is Dara Leshenka. I'm CEO and partner at Support Your App. Support Your App provides customer and technical support 24-7 for other IT companies all over the world. We are based in Kyiv, Ukraine, and you are listening to Women in Tech. I'd like to tell you about an all-new season of Command Line Heroes, a podcast presented by Red Hat. No one ever said hardware was easy. In Season 4, Command Line Heroes is telling seven special stories about people and teams who dared to change the rules of hardware and, in the process, changed how we all interact with technology. In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices and what it took to get here? There was this blue box on a table, and he said, well, here it is. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a microcomputer. What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. These machines, they revolutionized our lives and blew the doors open to what was possible. How many people here had a computer versus how many people intended to get one? Only one or two people actually had them, and they would bring them to the club meeting. What are you going to do with it? And nobody had an answer. The key thing about timesharing was that the computer needed some way of being able to sort of stop its own clock. The uh, creators of the floppy drives are not household names by any means. If it wasn't for that, PCs would have been adopted much more slowly. This January 28th, we launched season four of Command Line Heroes, an original podcast from Red Hat. And this season, it's all about the hardware. 
We'll hear the stories behind some iconic machines and the people who dared to create them. I was the kid that always took things apart, took my older sister's toys apart. This is just another bag on the side of the eclipse, a skin job. No, this is a whole new machine. The process of passing the tapes around and encouraging and building upon each other's results is really what made the personal computer industry. We're exploring mini computers, mainframes, the first personal computers, floppies, early smartphones, and game consoles. And we're also going to hear how the community ethos that drove those early hardware heroes to build those machines still exists today in the open source hardware movement. The values of sharing are still there. I mean, it's in the entire open source community. The machine, in a way, was kind of a bit character. It was the people who were the real guts of what it was about. I'm Saranyat Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast and keep on coding. So thank you and uh, eat your sandwiches. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.